and welcome everybody to Unrestricted Paranormal. Uh, I am Dan Holroyd, your host, and along with me as always is Elmer, the boss man, Boster. And uh, we've got a special treat for you tonight. We've been waiting to get our hands on uh, a UFO uh, individual, you know, MUFON, abduction type of stuff. Uh, This gentleman covers it all. Uh, I had listened to uh, uh, some information earlier today. I try to do my homework as best I can, and uh, I try to search a lot of what's out there. You know, there's good, bad, and the ugly. And I picked a few of the interviews that I thought were, you know, uh, up there and covered some things that I'm going to cover tonight. Um, but before we get into that, uh, thank you all. Thank you all for our downloading our shows and being with us again, as always. And of course, we're in the month of December, folks. And you know what's around the corner. I think we're less than, what, 10 days? Nine or 10 days? No, five. Five, five or five, five days away from the, the big Christmas holiday. Hopefully, you're going to have a safe, warm, and happy Christmas and a good new year. Um, let's mention our sponsors before we continue on with the program, as we always do here at the top of the show. Uh, go to Henderson Castle, hendersoncastle.com, if you will. It's an 1895 bed and breakfast in Kalamazoo, Michigan. If you're also going to look to book a historic stay and you are visiting South Haven, Michigan, go to the historic Hotel Nichols, hotelnichols.com. And of course, those of you that can see me can read my hat kind of in this uh, blinding light I've got up above me. But it's Gun Barrel Coffee, folks. You've had the rest. Drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee out of Batavia, Illinois. Go to gunbarrelcoffee.com. Proceeds from all the products, not just the coffee. They they sell a plethora of things in their store. It's run by veterans. Proceeds go to help veterans. And, you, you know, that's uh, dear to my heart. All right, let's get on with the program. We've got someone special with us tonight. This is Lester Velez with us. Um, Lester is a graduate of the University of Vermont with a bachelor's of science degree in business administration. Beginning in September of 1970, he served in the U.S. Army as a field artillery officer and was later vice president of the Luscombe Engineering, a Silicon Valley-based manufacturer's representative company. He joined MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, in 1991 and has held the following position, field investigator, training coordinator for field investigators, and the assistant state director in Northern California. Also chairman of the assistant state director of Northern California. I I just covered that twice. The AERC Abduction Experiencer Research Committee and the team leader of the ART, the Abduction Response Team, also during that time, he became the facilitator of an abduction support group in San Jose, California, and in 1994 co-founded OPUS, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. And we definitely are going to talk about the the, the OPUS uh, situation. And uh, Lester, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here with us on our, our one and only show here in December. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to chatting with you all. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You know, you notice my y'all because I'm I'm down in Texas now. I I'm, <laughs> was originally in Northern California, but I when I retired, I moved down here. And now, of course, I'm talking like a Texan, y'all. So, <laughs> so are you a, you're a recovering Californian? You've moved to Texas. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, just a little humor there, folks. Don't everybody send me hate mail now. Okay. <laughs> um, I think we're going to get started of, of you know, we, we've covered your bio here and you were in the, the military. How did you go from all these things that you've done in, in your, your past life, you know, that led you to where you are now? How, how did that lead into the, the MUFON and the abductee uh, situation? How did you get that interest? 
Well, you have to back back it up quite a ways. Sure. When I was 11 years old, living in Connecticut at the time, um, I was coming back in the house. It was, uh, you know, around dusk uh, in October. And so it was already dark, actually. And uh, I noticed this silent, oval, whitish object silently moving over a tree line. And it scared the crap out of me. And I ran into the house and uh, to get my father to come out and take a look at this thing. And by the time he uh, came out, it was gone. And he says, oh, it was probably just a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud or something. But I didn't believe that. And so I went to the library soon thereafter and uh, picked up books by George Adamski and, uh, about UFOs. And so I was really hooked. Uh, I, I started reading anything I could get my hands on. And uh, subsequently, as I, I got older, um, it kind of started to fade. And uh, went off to college. Uh, I, I was uh, part of the ROTC program at the University of Vermont, and uh, I then I had a commitment uh, uh, with the military, uh, two years active and four years reserve. And uh, right at the end of graduation at, at Vermont, I got married, and uh, and then we subsequently uh, moved back to Connecticut <clears throat> after my uh, tour of duty, and. Uh, one day, uh, I, I got this offer to, uh, with, the, with the Luscombe Engineering to move out to California. So in 1985, I moved out to California and I picked up the paper, uh, the San Jose Mercury News, and uh, Stanton Freeman was going to talk about UFOs and the government cover-up. Well, it was like somebody threw a switch. You know, all these years of kind of not thinking about the whole UFO phenomena uh this thing just absolutely ramped up and so i decided i'm going to go see him talk expecting to see a handful of people and uh, the auditorium was full and he gave uh, one of his inimitable uh <laughs> you know presentations and uh so on my way out mufon had a uh, table in the foyer and uh, so they have a, a monthly journal and so i decided well i'm going to start getting the journal i gotta i gotta get back into this thing and that was okay for a while, uh, but then, you know, it was like, okay, this is not enough. And I found out that uh, MUFON had a uh, field investigator training course. Right. And so I took that and became a field investigator. And almost without exception, the cases that I, I investigated not only were sighting cases, but they turned out to be abduction type cases. And that's when things really got interesting because these people would ask me, you know, do I know of other people having, you know, similar experiences? And I said, yes, I do. And so that prompted the beginning of a, of a support group that I facilitated in San Jose in my office, the Luscombe office. And it was interesting that, you know, my fellow compatriots in the business were totally open to this and, you know, had no problem with, with what I was doing which, you know, you know, that's pretty interesting in and of itself. Uh, so I was very lucky in that regard. And uh, so it was at that point when I started to learn so much more from any of the books that I had ever read at that point about the abduction phenomena and these people and what they're dealing with. 
and 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 the fact that they're having issues and trying to find people to talk to and uh you know even family members and clergy would would you know we're just thinking these people were you know crazy and so uh it was so evident that they needed the kind of support that uh, opus the organization for paranormal understanding and support um eventually came about as a nonprofit uh, group in 1994 and uh, we can go into how that all got started too Certainly. And you mentioned Stanton and I know that, um, you know, Elmer is very familiar with Stanton, has spoken with him and uh, knew him, you know, I don't know how well, but I know that Elmer, you, you'd, you'd had him on a few shows and we, we actually had him scheduled uh, to be on our program and then unfortunately he passed away. So um, did, a, did a lot for, you know, I think, uh, you know, the UFO community and uh, of course, a lot of different things, and and you touching on several different things, which are going to be great to to cover tonight, Lester. And you know, especially you know the the abduction thing, because as you said, you know, thinking that other people might think they're crazy for sharing their stories, I can only imagine a lot of these folks, uh, you know, were questioning their own sanity. You know, as I very well do, even in the ghost field uh, that I I work in mainly. But uh, you know, there's times I question some odd things, uh, that I think might've happened. But, um, so when you, when you started this, um, as you said, you know, in your office was, so you you said your, your people that you worked with there, everybody was pretty open to you doing this there, correct? Yes, that's correct. Were there any people that you worked with that have had this experience at that time? Actually, nobody came forward, uh, to, uh, you know, mention anything along those lines. Uh, but they were they were relatively open, um, you know, to the possibility that we're not alone in this universe. Right. And so on that basis, um, you know, they, they felt that I was, you know, uh, doing a community service of sorts and uh, working with these people and trying to help them, you know, overcome the, the trauma and uh, the uh, aloneness of this phenomenon, which which can, you know, certainly lead to such things as depression, uh, PTSD, and, and other factors. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can only imagine. So when you, before before you got started in with the abduction thing, was that, I mean, according to what you've just shared with us, did that seem like it, it, it was an immediate thing and it just took off from there? Or did you have to do a lot of field work and other things as far as UFO reports before that really started you know, gaining its its voice. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been an ongoing process. Uh, certainly, that uh, you know, as as I started to have these cases where people had uh, felt that they had been abducted and uh, looking for other people, and then we we set up the uh, support group. And uh, uh, one day, I was written up in a uh, uh, the Monterey Coast Weekly paper about what I was doing. Um, right. And uh, another uh, gal was written up in, in that same uh, issue. And uh, she contacted me afterwards and saying, you know, I was looking for help <clears throat> and trying to understand what's going on with my brain waves when I'm in contact with these uh, non-human intelligences <clears throat> or off earthly entities, as she put it. And uh, so uh, when I talked to her, you know, I said, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. And I don't know what I could really do at that point. And she mentioned that she was working with an emergency room doctor down in Carmel, California. 
Well, that really piqued my interest because I had a doctor friend, Dr. Eugene Lipson, uh, who was interested in working with other doctors uh, in regard to this phenomena. So I called him up and I said, hey, why don't, why don't we go see this lady and, and find out what's going on and see if we could possibly help her. <clears throat> so he said, fine. And, and we went down there. And uh, as we walked into her house, there was a picture on the wall. Uh -huh. And this picture had her standing on the back of this rather large boat. And uh, so I asked her, I says, what's this all about? And she says, oh, I was down there helping these treasure hunters. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. How are you helping these treasure hunters? And she said, I was in contact with the captain of the galleon that went down. And so that was the start of an incredible afternoon where she started to tell us things about ourselves that there was no possible way she could know. Well, wow. what we found out uh, subsequently was the fact that uh, she had had a near-death experience, okay? Talking about what you mentioned earlier. Um, and uh, after that, she became extremely psychic. And uh, so we came away from that afternoon, uh, and, you know, basically said, well, how can we possibly help somebody like this? We need to probably set up an organization. And that's when Opus was hatched. So Eugene Lipson and myself basically co-founded uh, Opus uh, that afternoon, in a sense, the, the idea of it. And then in 1994, we officially became a 501c3 nonprofit recognized by the IRS, which I always cracks me up that you know, the IRS wow. is recognizing a paranormal organization. Yeah, yeah. Part of the same entity that constantly, well, not so much anymore, but we're consistently at the time denying anything, denying right. anything to do with this, this phenomenon. And I don't even know if that's even a correct word to use anymore. Um, you know, these things that, that actually happen as, mm -hmm. as we all probably know, I'm a believer myself, you know, I'm still a healthy skeptic. I, I think that's just the investigator and maybe the, uh, law enforcement, uh, you know, part of me. Um, sure. and, and that's what I brought to the table, you know, with my group, but I've had an interest in, and I've, I've told people in the past that I've talked to about, you know, uh, UFOs, uh, whatever, you know, connotation or, or, you know, anagram we want to assign to any of these, these phenomena that seem to be otherworldly or alien, um, right. that when I was a youngster, I saw the Barney and Betty Hill story on television and scared the living hell out of me. And, uh, Later on in life, having witnessed a couple of UFOs uh, myself and uh, having sent one into MUFON uh, that one of my investigators caught on camera and then also sharing a story that we had here in Kalamazoo, uh, many of us witnessed it. Um, it just brings it to the forefront for me, which is why I was excited to have you on and talk more a little bit about it. Um, did you did you go back to the roots, you know, when, when dealing with, you know, abduction uh, people? Did you have to go back to that original story? Because I'm sure there were reports from people before Betty and Barney. It just seemed that that brought it to the form, forefront, you know, for a lot of people uh, who were involved in that. Uh, yeah, for me, you know, over 30 years of, of being involved with this kind of stuff, sure. 91, I officially <clears throat> joined MUFON and uh, <clears throat> certainly was reading, you know, about all the cases and everything like that. And so 
my my real education into this whole abduction phenomena came from these support groups and and talking with these people. Um, so you know, I certainly you know uh, read the book uh, The Interrupted Journey uh, about Betty and Barney Hill. Yeah, yeah. Certainly had that background under my belt. Um, and, and and I remember being in college and reading about it, you know, in the '60s, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and and that's when that all you know really came about. And so uh, it it really uh, you know once again threw a switch and got me interested. But then I was so involved with uh, school and sports and things like that. I played soccer in college and uh, almost flunked out because of that. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, but uh, anyway, the, the bottom line is that, uh, you know, I, I, it's, I'm like a sponge when it comes to this stuff. I, I just, you know, anything that comes along the, the line, I, you know, I try to read about it and understand it and, and if possible. And, uh, you know, your your window of believability is very narrow when you first get started in this field. And then it just slowly starts to expand, you know, the more you hear about it and the more uh, you know, uh, and I, I, understand, I understand that, you know, I, I, I know that the way this stuff works is that how it used to work and how it works for me now is that most anything we think that's improbable now is obviously probable. You know, there's, there's a percentage out there that we're finding every day that, uh, more and more of this stuff, you know, starts to ring true. Uh, through hypnotherapy sessions with people who do the work that you do and uh, working with groups and people to, you know, I guess a regression to even sometimes go back and be able to uh, pull some of those memories out, uh, which is another step that I was going to mention here too in the program. Um, Did you guys extensively use, uh, you know, any hypnotherapy or any of those devices when you were doing these interviews or did you take them just on score? No, what what we did uh, was... uh based on what the people were looking for. Um, okay. The majority of people that contact us um, are looking to join a support group and to understand that they're not alone, that they right. can share someplace safe where they can share their stories. But then there's a, a, the other percentage, a large percentage are looking for therapists, uh, you know, hypnotherapists to try to uncover more of what is going on with them. Uh, and, you know, we, we counsel these people in the sense that, hey, you know, is this something you really want to find out? Because you may find out something you really don't want to know. And right. it, may, it may be very upsetting. Um, so you have to be very sure that you want to proceed with this. And then, of course, we, we, we counsel about the fact that, hey, you want to try to do this in person. You know, with this COVID thing going on, a, a lot of the therapists have uh, relied on Zoom meetings or Skype meetings uh, with people. Um, uh, And so it's not the best way to go, but if there's no other recourse, then yes. And and then of course, you wanna have someone that's with the the experiencer at the time of the hypnosis session, just in case they start to freak out, just like Barney Hill did, you know, in in his uh, session. Totally understandable, understandable. and you know, as I said, I can only imagine that you know uh, it's created anxiety and and portions of PTSD in in a lot of these uh, folks who have gone through this because it doesn't show up right away, but maybe you see small pieces of their behavior 
which don't seem to be the person they used to be. I'm sure that's one of the more notable signs that you look for. And as far as the distancing, you know, and interviewing, um, you know, I, I understand too, you know, as I'm sure you are at this point in your career with this, Lester, that, you know, me being an investigator and having to interrogate people back, you know, in my career when I was working, I'm retired now. Um, I can tell, tell signs, you know, when people are kind of being very, very truthful with me as to what they believe, you know, is the truth or when people are trying to, right. uh, you know, deceive me and mm-hmm. I don't always get it right. God knows, you know, uh, but have you had a, a percentage of people that you've dealt with? I mean, I'll just touch on it for a minute because I want to focus mm-hmm. on the positive. Have you had a percentage of people who have come in and sometimes tried to phony this? Or maybe it's something else and it's not quite exactly what they thought it was? Yeah, since since 94, uh, the, the percentage has been very low, very low. Where, And then, you know, you, you, you run into people that you know that they they need to probably go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, that there's other issues going on, um, where, you know, you get a person that you can't get a word in edgewise. They just keep talking and talking and talking. And, you know, you, you can ask a question and they don't even hear the question. And so it's like you can't get through to them. And so we really can't help people like that. So what, what I what I tell them is, you know, I think it'd be best if you if you did seek professional help uh, of a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and, and 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 see if you can deal with you know the issue that's going on at, at the present time, um, and take away the 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 this other factor, if you will, you know, because there's something else going on there besides. Uh, a, a possible abduction or experience. Right. right. And, and I can imagine you, you folks have an extensive interview process too, because I know I do just doing, doing paranormal, you know, mm-hmm. I have a sheet and these are things that I, I ask very tough questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I delve into medical, uh, mental health, you know, uh, alcohol, drug abuse. Yeah. I tell them I'm not here to go call the police or tattletale on them, but right. if I'm going to be asked mm-hmm. to help and, and be that, that outside observer, or, or person to, you know, uh, lend an opinion. Uh, those are things that I look at. And I, and as I just alluded to, I look for telltale signs, you know, when I ask uh, those questions and in interview process to see just how truthful, uh, you know, people can be, because it happens in my field too, you know, where people have other things happening, as you said, and they may think a certain experience is taking place. And I, you know, we, we find out that that may not be, you know, the truth, not, not the truth to where they're just outright lying, but that may not be the, the actual thing that's happening. There are right. other things that are infecting their psyche and their mental illness or mental well being rather. And then, you know, some of them are mentally ill too. I've dealt with, with that factor as well. Um, before I jump too far uh, into the rabbit hole, I wanted to ask, have, have you yourself I, outside of when you were younger uh, mm-hmm. And you were in the military. Was there any talk when you were in the military or anybody that you worked around that experienced any kind of UFO uh, type of deals? No, no, I, I never had any any kind of uh, issue like that or, or subject come up in any discussions. Um, you know, this was during the Vietnam War. Right. And uh, so uh, when I, I, I got out of officer's uh, basic training in an artillery at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, I was stationed at Fort Dix in New Jersey, and uh, 
as a training officer there, training these, you know, raw recruits, uh, you know, how to prepare themselves to go over. And uh, during that time, I had two years of active uh, service and, and, and four years of reserve. And uh, after 18 months, I was still there. And I, I said to myself, well, I, I don't think I'm going to be going over to Vietnam. And <laughs> that's about the time I got my orders for Vietnam. And uh, packed up my wife and my dog and we camped across the country and got out to California and she, my wife was going to stay with her sister who lived in uh, Los Gatos at the time, uh, basically a suburb of uh, San Jose. And uh, so I was there for about a week and I uh, uh, got a call from a buddy of mine back at battalion headquarters back at Dix. He says, this major's looking to talk to you. And I said, oh, okay. So I called the Pentagon, talked to this major. He says, your tour of duty has been cut by two months. So therefore, we have to give you a choice of whether or not you want to go to Vietnam. And I said, well, I hope the next son of a bitch is as lucky as I am because I'm not going over there. Because this is right. the end of the war where they were fragging officers. I mean, the Esprit de Corps was in the, yeah. in the tank. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible situation. So then he asked me, he says, well, you know, are, you know, where do you want to be stationed? I said, well, shit, I'm out here on the West Coast. Put me down at uh, Fort Ord, which was open at that time in Monterey. And uh, so I got my orders a week later, and they sent me all the way back to Fort Dix. <laughs> <laughs> but I never had any any contact uh, story-wise or incident-wise while I was in the military. Uh, so uh, that was... Uh, not a not a point of uh, of interest as far as other than the fact that I I was so lucky to not go to Vietnam at that point. Wow, wow, that's that's the first time I've heard a story that's slightly similar to that. I know that uh, uh, knowing a couple older folks that ended up uh, with them towards the end of the war in very similar circumstances, mm. but I bet you were relieved for sure. Oh, um, yeah. So when you when you when you went to hear uh, Stanton speak and then, you know, you joined MUFON, do you, can you recall like one of the first couple of cases that you went out to or that you investigated? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, they're in my book. <clears throat> I don't know if uh, you've got a connection to that. Uh, the book that I just uh, published here uh, a few months back uh, called the unknown other uh, and the existential proposition of alien contact, which is on Amazon. Uh, and you can get it on our website, the Opus website, which is opusnetwork.org. Um, that um, one of the cases I got involved with uh, was a couple uh, that was picnicking in a uh, state park just uh, north of Santa Cruz, uh, California. And they were coming out of the park around dusk and they noticed this light over the ocean. And uh, this light started to get bigger and bigger and then finally, the damn light was over their heads, and it was a triangular craft about the size of a small Learjet. Imagine and that. This thing proceeded to go behind them into this canyon area, and they and then they noticed another light, and the same type of scenario happened. It got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it, it was over their head, and again, it was another triangular craft about the same size. And the first one, they felt they were looking at it. The second one, they felt it was looking at them, and they got frightened at that point. 
Well, this happened five more times. There was seven craft that actually came in over the wow. ocean, sat there in this canyon, and then all of a sudden, it, it was like they went around the corner and disappeared, but there was no corner to go around. It was just like they went into this in another dimension. And uh, so they, they, at that point, they felt very robotic in, you know, uh, in nature. And they felt like they were coming, coming down out of the park, like they were floating. And uh, this park, and I, I was there, I investigated the case uh, actually going out to this spot. And, uh, they this 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 path is terrible in in the daylight. It's so dark and bumpy and rocky and everything. Well, they they just felt like they were floating along, and then that's the last thing they remember. And three hours later, they're in this restaurant, five to ten minutes from the park, um, you know, for dinner. <laughs> they don't even know how they got there, so Not they had missing time, and and so. They eventually came to one of the support group meetings, and they they told the group that they got a uh, a rash after this this particular session that they had, and uh, they showed the picture of the rash around to everyone in the group, and almost without exception, they all said at one time or another they had a similar rash, and one of the people in the group says, "Well, I think I know what that's from." And so we are all sitting there with our mouths open. Said, well, what do you think it is? Well, it's it's a reaction to the fluid that they dip you in when they bring you on board the craft to sanitize you. So <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I, I, I've learned so, so much from just listening to these stories. Right. And uh, it, it goes on and on. And in the book, there's 30 stories that I relate uh, from the people in the support group. Uh, talking about their experiences and what they believe they are. And I, I know towards the end of the show, we're definitely going to have you cover that again to make sure everybody gets your information. And I would ask too, like, what part of the body was the rash prevalent? I mean, was it different areas or? It was. Area? It was basically in the upper thigh and groin area. Really? Yeah. Now I'm saying that that way, folks, because you know I. Uh, not doing this to sensationalize the show. Okay. So here's another thing that I'm letting out here to the audience and you and people. So when we had another guest on having told me in the past on our show, uh, we discussed this with Lester off air. Uh, she was convinced that I had been, you know, abducted, uh, that it's happened and it continues to happen. Now I went through a series, uh, in, in different times of year and I still do every so often, uh, I will get a rash in that area, um, and I've had missing time you know, attributed to those times that that rash shows up. So that is very interesting to me. Uh, I had, you know, coming home from Detroit, Michigan to Kalamazoo, which is where I live, folks, it's about a two-hour drive, and I came home from an event. Uh, I don't remember half of the trip. Uh, I remember leaving Detroit, and it was evening. And uh, I remember my wife calling me eventually and wanted to know why it was taking four and a half to five hours for me to get home. And now I realized I was closer to Battle Creek, which is just about 45 minutes or less uh, from where I live. And I have no memory driving from Detroit to until I got that phone call. It was I can't I can't recall how I got there. Uh, I don't remember getting on the off ramps to drive or anything, but 
this show isn't about me tonight, but that is very <laughs> interesting that you mentioned that rash because yeah. I was thinking if he mentions the groin area, we're there <laughs> because I've, I've had this looked at, uh, you know, by the doctor and he says, well, maybe you're allergic to some of your sweat. And that didn't make any sense. I never suffered that, you know, yeah. when I was younger. Uh, later on in my teen years, sure. But I don't know. Well, crazy. It, you know, it's interesting because they had gone to two different doctors. And one of them said, well, it's something external, but I don't know what it is. And the other one yeah. says, well, it's something internal, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's you what know? I was told. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> That's insane. That's absolutely insane. And, and maybe there's some insight. You know, as I said, uh, there's been times, you know, with dream state but we'll talk about that more here in a minute i want everybody to stay with us we're going to take our first commercial break here folks you're listening to unrestricted paranormal elmer has rejoined us i know he probably lost signal he's in a car he's He's in in a a car car. (laughs) or is that a spaceship elmer we're not sure (laughs) well i I have news for you dan i know where that rash came from it came from playing pirates on a uh, island okay. <laughs> inside joke folks maybe someday we'll tell that joke that story uh we're here with our special guest lester velez and uh you're listening to unrestricted paranormal right here on the one and only unrestricted paranormal.com network uh right here on our player you guys go to unrestricted paranormal.com it is spelled a little different folks it's unrest okay unrest rxtd Paranormal, unrestricted, unrest, R-X-T-D, paranormal.com, all one word. Uh, that's our network. You scroll down to our player there, and there are many other shows and, and podcasts on this network that you folks can listen to. We've got everything from paranormal uh, to creepy stories to old-time thrillers. Uh, we're going to leave you with this. We'll be back in a minute, ugh, in a minute for more uh, right, at, right after these brief messages.
Hey kids, let mom help with your science project. This new mom wants her kids' science project to thrive. Too bad she hasn't cracked a science book since 1985. A metathesis reaction? Compounds, mixtures, and elements. Even this baking soda volcano is too big of an experiment. Whoa. Now she's completely forgotten the periodic table. Now she's burning a hole through the kitchen table. Burning with science. But her kids' love for the mom is truly transparent. Proof you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. Don't tell Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Make them 
Take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. Like my brother did, when he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like my wife did, when she asked the right questions. Like my friend did, when she made the call. You stood by us when we were in uniform, so stand by us now. Take a stand for those who served our country. If you're a veteran in crisis, or no one who is, the Confidential Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255.
course, uh, the the people watching us see that we're just sitting here in the studio. <laughs> and so everybody, welcome back. Uh, you're on Unrestricted Paranormal. I am Dan Hallright of the Southern Michigan Paranormals. Also now new member of, I got to mention the guys, the Midwest Parahistorical Society, working with them too now. And also Elmer, the boss man, Boster. And we've got a special guest with us, Lester Velez. And we're talking, uh, you know, UFOs and abduction and opus. And we're going to talk a little bit about the opus uh, deal here. And I, he's so uh, gracious to put up with our, our antics and our craziness to be here with us. One and only show in December. Folks, you heard some ads on there. And, and like I said, remember, you're not alone. If you're, you're, you're in a bad way, you've heard the phone number, please give it a call. Uh, we want you to be happy and healthy. We care about all of you. Uh, same could be said for Till Valhalla Project. Uh, that's one of my uh, things that I'm on about here. Also, folks, go to tillvalhalla.com. And uh, we're losing 22 vets a day. Uh, help out, okay? Help us out. Uh, Lester, we're, we've covered a couple things here. We just learned that I've also suffered missing time in a rash in areas, <laughs> and it may have been to a visit to a pirate island. We're not sure. Uh, I think it's something otherworldly. Sounds like um, Vegas to me. <laughs> it's like it, it could be, and it didn't stay there, unfortunately. I don't, I don't know. I think it was otherworldly, but not the worldly that we want to think of. Folks. Not the world we want to think of. No, that could right. be true. If Lester's, if Lester only knew, he'd be like, "I get it. I actually get it now." Um, if anything, he would catch it too. Yeah, yeah. We try to keep it light on here, as you see. We don't want to. We want. We want to be serious, but we want to have fun when we're on the. And when you mentioned the triangular craft, with you know the investigation you were talking about at the park, um, I saw something very strange in the northern sky. Uh, if anybody looks at a map of Michigan, you'll see where Kalamazoo is located and, and where my house was at the time. This is early 2000 and, oh, geez, I want to say 2002. I'm on my back deck. It's a, it's a spring day. We have clear blue skies. It's one of those days where the sky is just absolutely beautifully blue, no clouds whatsoever. Uh, I'm waiting for a buddy to come and pick me up to go work out. And uh, I just happened to be sitting out in the lawn chair in the deck enjoying the cold weather, but the sunshine. And as I look north, I see these little lights, uh, Lester, and there's three or four of them and they're darting and they're changing direction. They're, they're just real quick. People could see me on camera that, you know, they'd go this way and that way. And they seem to have some sort of purpose. And then they combined into one and they did a half circle, which I would say a half circle counterclockwise. And just before they disappeared, I saw this, um, I can only describe it like Star Trek, okay, folks? So don't send me hate mail. But I saw, like, this energy burst, and it looked like it was static electricity. You know, like when you start up a Tesla coil? And it looked like that, and it went into that, and it, it, it exploded, got real large, and then closed, and there was nothing. And literally, my buddy about ran up over the curb, which he, well, he did, and came into my driveway crooked because when he was coming up the hill, he could see it out of his windshield as well. Now, this was reported here locally to our great news coverage here in Kalamazoo, so I don't want to get hate mail from them either. But uh, they just played it off. A lot of other people called it in and reported it. And I'm not sure what it was that I was I was looking at there. Have you heard anything similar to that? Oh, sure. I mean, that's a very common type of a thing that goes on. Uh, we get it in our support group all the time. Well, guess what happened last night? I saw these objects, and they did this. 
and they did that and then they blinked out you know and uh yeah uh, you know what are we dealing with here you know the are we dealing with extraterrestrials are we dealing with interdimensionals are we dealing with time travelers are we dealing with portals opening up are we dealing with our military or what i believe is all the above <laughs> i think it can be all the above i'm with you i'm with you on that I think it's all of the above. There's a lot of you being in the military. There's a lot of military things that I don't think everybody needs to know about. You know, uh, if you want to, if you want to go along with the national security vibe, um, and you know, there may be things that we've witnessed. I mean, look when they came out with the stealth bomber and fighter plane, and I'm sure that's what a lot of people were seeing over certain periods of time uh, during testing and, and flight. But I think, as you said, it, it, why can't it be a little bit of of everything? And Lester, I too, in the paranormal, don't always think that I'm dealing with ghosts. I I bore people to death when I lecture about parallel existence and probably some sort of a window, you know, to the parallel universe and and or even a time slip. You know, who knows what we're seeing? Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because. Uh, <clears throat> Two things occurred uh, while I was with uh, MUFON. Back in 2007, I uh, uh, spoke to uh, the then international uh, director of MUFON, uh, James Carrion. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, you've, you've been a nuts and bolts type organization for years and years, and you're really missing the boat and not really investigating these abductees. And so he, he really listened to that. And the next thing I know that's happening, because they had no, uh, no protocol, no, no organization to handle this, all the calls that were coming in to MUFON were directed to me, uh, you know, as Opus, um, to help, help them. And so I have a whole plethora of, of phone calls that, you know, I've recorded and, uh, uh, listening to these people, you can tell that they're they're concerned, they're they're upset, they're stressed, and 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 they're looking for help. They're looking for somebody that's empathetic and and, and will listen to them and not be right. judgmental. Right. So anyway, out of that came a, a requirement from MUFON to basically investigate the phenomenon, <laughs> and so we actually I put together. Uh, the AERC that you mentioned earlier, the Abduction Experiencer Research Team, right. and uh, we uh, we we basically put together the Omega Three study, which was a follow-on to Kenneth Ring's Omega study, where yeah. we took 71 uh, abductees and 51 uh, people as a control group, and you know we we had them take these various uh, psychological tests and everything, and. The bottom line is that these people did not have a psychopathology. They weren't fantasy prone. Uh, they had some temporal lobe activity that was different than the control group, which is a very interesting fact, uh, which is a whole nother ball game as far as uh, these types of things. But uh, recently, um, we just finished the first phase of the Omega-4 study, which is done by strictly Opus, uh, MUFON, is involved only in a peripheral way uh, that's looking at the therapist. We went out to therapists and got their feedback. And one of the things we found is that in working with them, the grays were the number one thing that people talk about that they've interacted with. 
then orbs is the second thing that they've they've come up with and then interdimensional interdimensionals and then then the, the the next thing is ghosts poltergeist activity and i think all this stuff is connected totally connected because we've got people in the support group that have talked about demons that they've encountered and and ghosts this one lady talked about running into this young boy who refused to leave the house who was a ghost and finally she was able uh through work with another person to you know let him go on and and, and move on but then the demons that they had they brought in another expert and they talked about the fact that there was a ley line running through the house and that these demons were coming up through the ley line make the long story short they could never get rid of the damn things <laughs> and and so she eventually sold the house so anyway um there's so much to this stuff that we don't understand uh, yeah yeah but there's, but there's a connection as you as you were talking about and and i've asked that of of not my well myself and and look reading some of this material and looking at it too that you know, are some of the demonic things that people think they're seeing or being reported, is it connected to an abduction situation? Is it they're just misidentifying something that they think they're seeing when it could be these, okay, we'll just say it, these these uh, extraterrestrial beings, and they look, you know, what yeah. maybe we would think would be demonic looking. Who knows? Um, not everything is going to be humanoid looking like it is on Star Trek and all the other great sci-fi shows. Uh, these things could look very different. Maybe there's a connection there. And I've, I've heard the same thing, Lester, you know, for years uh, on all the Coast to Coast programs and all the other great shows that I've listened mm -hmm. to over the years where, you know, people that you've worked with, I'm sure I'm not going to throw out a bunch of names because Elmer knows more of them than I do. But um, they've all mentioned that, too, that that there's there seems to be a circle like a connection with some of this stuff, not all the time, but it, it's too, it's too hard to ignore, right? It's too hard to walk away from it and not, not think about it for a second. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had wondered that too, you know, with, uh, when you mentioned the brain stuff, when you're looking at people's brain algorithms and their activity, has that changed them permanently? Uh, and has that, that brain activity, you know, with the lowable stuff that you mentioned, has that affected their sleep, like with sleep disorders or even their thought process? Are they more open to bigger and broader thought processes than they were before? Yeah, they're, uh, having had an experience certainly changes their worldview. Sure. Um, and, uh, uh, and beginning stages, of course, are quite frightening, you know, stressful. Um, but it's a process. Uh, and I believe it's a spiritual process, not a religious type of a thing, but a spiritual process that these people go through, where they, you know, initial stages are, are, are pretty bad, but then they, they come to accept it. And then in the later stages, when it stops, it's like this Stockholm syndrome. They go, Why does it stop? You know, right. Because interesting facts is that like 70% of these people uh, don't want these uh, abductions to, to stop. Only, you know, that 30% say, you know, it's bad. I don't want it to happen anymore and I want it to stop. But the majority want to continue on. So that, and that's another interesting factor. In and and <laughs> my next question is, I, is that, you know, what percentage out there seems to be harmful? Now, I know I don't want to negate from anybody who feels, you know, it's, a, it, it's an intrusion, you know, to be taken without permission 
uh, God knows done what to, mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, experience to, um, but what percentage of the people, as far as something very negative, like causing health issues, you know, uh, even some yeah. of the people who claim to have devices, tracking devices or something put in them, what's the percentage on that? Do you think offhand? Yeah. Again, it's like 25 to 30% that are having really negative experiences. Right. Right. And, and, uh, so they, they want these to stop. And, you know, one of the things that I tell these people is, is the fact that, uh, they have to, they have to be very, very, um, sure that they want these things to stop because a lot of times there's, there's doubt in their minds because of curiosity. They want to know why me, what, you know, why is this happening? Uh, and that opens the door. And so, well, uh, I oftentimes I, I, I recommend Ann Druffel's book, uh, Ann, who passed away here recently, uh, you know, how to uh, protect or how to defend yourself against alien abductions. That was going to be my next question is how, yeah. how would, how would any of us, you know, fend this off? What, what, yeah. what some of the and, things and that she, she, to... she talks about nine different ways that people have, uh, you know, written to her and, and talked about how they stopped it. Um, and, and, and so some of it includes, you know, uh, mentioning, uh, the Lord's name or, you know, Jesus or some, something like that, a very religious, uh, tact on that. Others are, you know, where you get very, very mad, you get, you get very upset and you say, Hey, stop this. I don't want it to happen anymore. You have to be very assertive, uh, and, and things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, that, that book that she wrote, uh, is, is one that I, I talk about all the time. And then uh, Kathleen Martin also has a book called Extraterrestrial Contact that has a lot of uh, really good information in it. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a fascinating field. And I think, you know, what we're dealing with is, you know, just like we have here on Earth, we have good people and we have bad people. And I believe that we have good people and bad people out there. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're way ahead of me on these questions. That was the next one that crossed my mind. You must be reading my thoughts, Lester. Are you a medium? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. The next question was going to be, you know, what would you consider, you know, um, well, not consider, do you think that there is a, 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 a greater good that's being good, being done with some of this stuff. Like maybe they're trying to save us from ourselves um, type of deal, or uh, I'm not sure, or maybe they're in trouble and they need something from us and, and maybe we're helping them in the long run too. Yeah. I think that, that, that's a, that's a good question, uh, Danny. And uh, you know, we, we don't have a definitive answer, but uh, there's certainly been posited a lot of possible answers to that. One is, as you said, uh, you know, helping them in some strange way, you know, taking our DNA and uh, utilizing it, uh, you know, the uh, Rendlesham Forest case, uh, uh, those were time travelers uh, that supposedly came back and, or, you know, wanted to uh, extract uh, DNA because they screwed up, I guess, in the future. And they were us, basically. 40,000 years in the future. Yeah, I was going to have Philip Mantle back on. It's been a, it's been about a year. We have Philip on uh, the program, and we touched mm-hmm. on that briefly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about that a little bit because um, it's been like a big highlight, you know, in the U.K., a uh, big one sure. here as well. But, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And you're touching on, as you said, you know, you're, you're talking about maybe understanding different versions of these these 
these people. I'm going to call them persons, people, beings. Um, we have a friend, uh, Mike Lynch, who, you know, he's into this stuff too. And Dr. Lynch was convinced that there are several, you know, different entities of these beings that come here. Some have already been here. Some work with us, some don't. Uh, there are some here who are seem to be protectors. I mean, it would take another two hours to go on all the stuff that he shared with us. And it's very fantastical when you listen to it. But then when he starts pointing out certain things that connect the dots and some of the things that make a lot of sense, of course, others don't. They're just kind of out there in the wind, if I'm making any sense here. Have you guys covered that? Do you feel that there's there's so many different versions that may be at work here and there are some who protect us? Maybe there are some who are not doing good? Oh, absolutely. We we hear about it in the support group all the time. Um, and, of course, the therapists that are working with these experiences hear about it. Um, yeah, uh, there's a multitude of, of uh, non-human intelligences that, uh, uh, you know, in play, and they all have, you know, different agendas, you know. Um, you know, I, I always like to say, you know, it's like us when we uh, take a dolphin out of, the, out of their environment and we take a blood sample and we uh, put a tag on them and then we throw them back in the water. And then later on, we come back a year later or so and pull them out of the water again, and you know, analyze them, you know, take a rule or two of them or tape measure and check their blood again and, and check the implant to make sure it's there. And it, it's, it's very similar. Or is it, is it, a, is it a teaching uh, type of a, a scenario where these entities are at the top of the food chain and we're not? And, you know, their intelligence level and their capabilities are so far beyond ours that uh, we're, we're an experiment. We're just a big experiment where they can come in and do whatever the hell they want with us yeah. at any time. Right. <laughs> right. And you beat me to another question. And that was another thing I was going to ask if that was a thought process. Obviously it is. And, you know, I also wondered, you know, in, in the scope of this thing, um, you know, what is it, had they been here before, you know, the whole ancient alien things, mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are on board with that. Oh, there, sure. are so, there are so many things that seem, again, there too, that connect the dots. You know, if we were to look at people's uh, reports, even in, in biblical uh, writings, uh, just to touch a little bit here, not to get carried away with it, you know, but to say that you've seen flaming chariots in the skies through different religious writings and, and reports. Well, you know, we have to remember, too, as I've, I've told people when I've had these discussions that for me, I know that that's how they would describe that, because that's the only thing they knew at that time. They're not going to say, hey, there was a flying airship. In the, they didn't know what an airship was. Right. Uh, they would say a chariot. We see this chariot on the ground, even though it didn't look like a chariot. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're assimilating the best description that they can according to what world is going on around them in that time period. And then I, I jump ahead too that um, I, I could, like you said, could some of them be us? Could we be visiting ourselves, trying to correct certain mistakes? And maybe that's why some of this Mandela stuff happens. I know I'm getting way off course here, but I'm trying to pick your brain because I, I feel that, you know, you guys are really in tune with this and you're on top. And there's many different organizations in the UFO community. Everybody's got certain opinions and mm -hmm. ideas, but it, seems, it sounds like a lot of them are very similar trying to get to the same stop sign, you know, the crossroads. And I just wondered what you thought of those questions. Yeah, you know, the, the, the Romans, uh, and as a matter of fact, in, in the book, The Unknown Other, I talk about uh, multiple conversations that were had by the Romans uh, uh, about the, the uh 
the, the shields in the sky. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. how they characterized it. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, like the Rendlesham Forest case has already been talked about that, uh, you know, they were visitors from 40,000 40, years in the future. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think time travel is, is probably a very real thing that we just don't understand yet. Uh, and it's certainly a possibility for future generations. Uh, you know, our physics right now is, is still in the dark ages, so to speak, based on all the activities that we're seeing. Although if you believe, uh, uh, you know, Lockheed Skunk Works uh, gentlemen that have come out of there talking about the fact that, you know, we can take ET home. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's probably us now. Even. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've often wondered that, and, and it's it's a very believable thing. I mean, if even if you're going to go back to the whole Philadelphia experiment and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to cover that up, which, you know, again, I don't understand why the government or any of these agencies have ever thought they were going to be good crooks, because they are the worst at, at hiding anything or keeping anything secret for, for, I mean, about anything. I mean, there's some small things, but I, I just wish they'd stop trying to be career you know, criminals and at least covering things right. up. Now, I could understand mass hysteria during certain times, but th- that, again, I'm getting off track. I don't Attica- know about that, Dan. I don't know about that. I think they can hide pretty good. Oh, they do. Well, they do. There's black ops. What I'm saying is, though, when things happen right out in front of us, the, you know, they, they still do it. They want to throw the diversion in front of us to, you know, it, it's a diversion. They want us to look the other way and continue to tell us no. Yet we've all seen it, and people are coming forward. That's all I was. Going well, for. that's, that's the thing is, it's just like you know, we're still children. We're not going to be able to understand the whole concept of what they know. Oh you right, know, right. The thing is, it's just like you know, you give a kid a car. He's two years old. He's not going to be able to con- understand the concept of no. what the motor does and all that. You know, it's just like giving us a spaceship. Like, what are we going to know about it? Unless, you know, somebody's going to show us how to. And then we're going to go back to Roswell and that whole fiasco. But, you know, the fact of the matter is we're still learning stuff about their technology that we'll, we'll probably never fully grasp, at least not in our lifetime. I mean... There's plenty of stuff that we don't understand yet, and we probably never will. And I think the best thing the government's doing is hide it in plain sight. I mean, well, that's, it, that's where I was going with that. That's what I meant. I'm just at a loss. I mean, if you look at the media, look at you know movies and stuff. There's so much truth to it that everybody's oh, yeah. probably thinking right now that I've lost my damn mind when I say that. But the fact of the matter is, it's hidden in plain sight, and there's a lot more to it. And there's things that I know that I won't talk about, but let's just say that, you know, they're real and they're, you know, they're, they're out there, they're plain sight. And, you know, I think MUFON has a good idea about it, but ultimately nobody's really going to know the full spectrum of it because it's always going to be hidden from us. Yeah. You don't, you don't know until it happens. And, and Lester, I was going to throw a couple of things at you. Um, you mentioned physics and I have, mm-hmm. I'm not a, a physics guy. I am horrible at math, but I, I, I constantly, and see if this makes sense to you, Lester, 
Um, I have constantly, when I give paranormal lectures and people throw science at me, I said, well, I've got a scientist in my group. Uh, he's a scientist, a physicist, and an engineer, and he builds stuff for our group to use. And he's been pleasantly surprised that some of these things that he has built uh, and to do certain things, that he's had things happen, which shouldn't happen. And he's been very pleasantly surprised that, you know what I mean? It's kind of breaking a barrier for him a little bit. He's, his skepticism is is still there, which it should be, but it's it's dissipating. And we get into discussions about physics and math. And I try not to bore people too much with this, but I'm on that with the UFO thing, too. You know, people think that we have all the answers because we say, well, this can't be because according to physics, these certain things can't happen. Or, 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 or the math is the universal language. This is why we sent out Voyager. It's, gonna, it's got all math that's going to talk to everybody. Says who? Says who? And you, I think you alluded to that or you said it straight out. Um, that, you know, this, these are all concepts that we created, folks. We created math. We created physics. We didn't find a book right under a tree that said, here's physics. Uh, this is how everything in the universe and everything outside of what we understand works. That's it's nonsense. We, like you said, we're the, we're the little kid on the block. We're the spec and they may have a science and physics that we would never understand. You know, it'll take us eons to get there. It, does that sound sensible to you oh yeah <clears throat> i think that uh you know it's it's beyond our, our 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 capacity to understand it at the moment but i think we're getting closer to a number of things i mean you know you take a look at some of the patents that have been filed by the navy uh and uh, some private uh, companies uh that uh talk about uh anti-gravity and uh, yeah. things of that nature and so <clears throat> You know, they're, they're, they're saying that, uh, you know, we're, we, we have technology that uh, is far beyond what even you can possibly think of. Um, and so, you, you know, you correlate that with the fact that there's a space force, supposedly. And, uh, you know, this Haim Meshed, uh, this uh, high-ranking general, retired general from Israel that talked about in his book <clears throat> about the fact that, uh, you know, we have... Uh, relations with uh, these uh, non-human intelligences and there's bases here on the moon and on Mars and uh, that, you know, we, we have our bases on the moon and Mars. And so, you know, and when you hear that the first time you say, oh, that's a bunch of baloney. But then when you start hearing it from different sources that are supposedly fairly credible, yeah. then yeah. you have to scratch your head and say, holy crap. This is probably happening, folks. And uh, so we live in a very interesting time. And, you know, I think within this decade, uh, this thing is going to blow up in a big way. And we're going to understand we are not alone. And the majority of the people, let's say 70% of the people will be able to handle it. But then there's going to be 30% of the people that are going to just flip out because they're they're going to just not be able to handle the fact that, you know, there's aliens among us and uh, with us and under us and all over the place. Yeah, it, it brings on so many different things. I think even with faith and religion, you know, there could be new religions and new faith born out of actually finally, you know, getting some answers or maybe the probability of these are the creators. You know, who's to say? Yeah. I, you know, I mean, 
uh, it goes, you're right, it goes into so many crazy different directions, but it's all very plausible. It really is in the, in the scheme of things. I have a couple of questions as we're getting down towards the end here, and I know there's more to cover about uh, Opus and stuff, and I'd like to have you back, as I tell a lot of guests, but I definitely want to have you back for a part two so we could do like a two, three-hour show if you're ever up for sure, it. Sure, absolutely. Um, logistically, my question is, um, does there seem to be, a, a, you know, a logistics involved with who they're abducting, like who they're picking, certain type of person, certain regions, or is it just kind of a hit and miss? Well, there seems to be some correlation between people that have been in the military, uh, indigenous uh, peoples, um, people with RH negative uh, factors, um, and then it's very generational as well, uh, that if a person uh, claims that they, they've been abducted, nine times out of 10, a family member is also, you know, whether it's a parent or a grandparent, uh, and th- so it's like they're following uh, the lineage. Uh, which then, you know, makes you think about the fact that uh, perhaps they've been messing with our DNA and, uh, you know, and how far back uh, have they been messing with it? And, uh, you know, and what's the purpose of that uh, process? Yeah, because it's just just from us genetically enhancing our food that is making each generation bigger, you know, bigger and, and larger. And I mean, of course, obese, that's our own problem. But you know what I'm saying? It seems like each generation, I mean, if you would go to, I, I, I'll put it in simple terms uh, for a lot of folks is that, um, you know, I go to a Civil War museum and I look at how large the uniforms are for a grown man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's tiny. I couldn't even get my arm into half of these uh, things and how small people were. Then you look at people in World War II, same thing. And as we've progressively gone in generations, has there been some genetic modification outside of what we've done? with hormones. Okay. Because there, there are people who are just, you know what I mean? They're, they're fantastically huge and there's other things going on and it it just doesn't seem to be any kind of a rhyme or reason to some of it. You know, it it seems to be a random uh, thing of nature, which I believe a lot of nature do. I think our environment too is, is changed in the sense that, uh, you know, we've been able to produce food on a scale that's, that's, you know, well, well beyond, yeah. Yeah you know, past generations. And so we're eating a lot better. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing things, you know, we're, we're supposedly living longer uh, because of that as well. So, uh, but then again, you know, I just saw a program today about uh, this skull that was discovered in China that looks like a giant, uh, absolute yeah. giant. And, yeah. And, yeah. and so there were, were there giants on this on this planet at one time? That's a whole other ballgame. It is. It's the whole. I know. Isn't it crazy? There's a, so much. There's so much in the scope to cover. Yeah. Um, as far as the the you know the alien uh, factor here, uh, technology. I, I've wondered because watching how how quickly man or how long it has taken rather man to progress through the time periods. Uh, war always seemed to you know add the progression a little faster because with a lot of, you know, war and things that were going on out of weaponry, other inventions sprung up, other things happened. But looking at that time frame, if this is going to make any sense, uh, throughout history, and then all of a sudden, right a, right around, you know, the, the start of the, the 40s or a little bit during the middle of the war or after the war, that jump is ridiculous. And I mean, 
have have you have you guys thought about that too? How we went from World War II things to what we're doing now with cell phones and and oh, oh it, it is amazing, isn't it? Uh, you know, in sixty yeah. years, in sixty seventy years, we've a little we've, suspicious. We've, we've we've gone so progressed so far. Can you imagine where we're going to be in another sixty or seventy years? And of course, a lot of that, you know, if you you believe what uh, Colonel Corso said in the day after Roswell. You know where they they reverse engineered a bunch of stuff out of the crashed the exactly. UFO in Roswell. You know, then you start to say, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. That yeah, that's why we you know we've progressed so far because we 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 gotta we gotta help. We gotta. Yeah, I mean, Ancient Man wasn't stupid. I mean, I've watched that great series where you know you discover that Ancient Man was ahead of his time and a lot of different things that we were doing, but. I, I I just will not be convinced. I mean, the jump, you know, the things that we're doing, there's obviously some sort of thing that was put into play gradually, but it happened quicker than we realized, you know, right in front of our eyes. And yeah. there's been a lot of brilliant people, you know. I was almost wondering if if Tesla was one of them, uh, you know, at one point in time because of the understanding that this gentleman had and who knows. And, and, and even getting delved, delving into his stuff, I almost think there's some you know, sort of Tesla connection. Tesla actually said that he had an outside source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, was, and he was building yeah. a communication, communication device uh, to yeah. talk to people in space. So come on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Interesting, isn't it? It is. It is. So, where are you? Where are you today with MUFON? Are you still actively engaged? Oh yeah, or, okay. I'm, I'm. I'm involved. I'm a research consultant for the MUFON ERT, the uh, Experiencer uh, Resource Team, which is basically the uh, uh, the follow-on to the AERC that I created. Uh, so, so I'm still involved with that, and uh, of course, heavily involved with Opus. Uh, you know, and fielding uh, requests to, you know, for therapists or, uh, you know, being included in the online support group, uh, which has proved to be super beneficial to people. We have almost 300 people from around the world that are talking to one another 24-7 and talking about their experiences and asking questions. So it's it's really uh, proved to be a very beneficial thing for people that, you know, feel that they've, they've had contact. Yeah, and I'm I'm still a believer that we've had contact for, you know, since probably day one. And you touched on some things that would be great to have you on the show, even just to talk about some of that crazy stuff. Uh, You know, the giants and finding finger bones and the footprints now alongside, you know, prehistoric animals. They have no explanation. Science, you know, I, I, I saw a very funny thing, folks. If you ever get a chance to go over and find the clip, it's from, I think, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is the show. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're having a debate about religion and science and how, and not to get all the science people upset at me and send me hate mail, but how science can be a liar at times. And it's met in a way to where we we become absolute in, in things that we think or we believe. And I always caution everybody that me, uh, like you, uh, Lester, you know, growing up and trying to open my mind to all the paranormal stuff and cryptozoology things and all the wonders of the universe, you know, creation, so to speak. Um, I just wasn't buying it. And I just thought there, there's obviously more going on. And if we ever operate in a world of absolutes until we could put it in front of us and say, well, this is absolutely a square it's a dangerous thing because we shouldn't operate in a world of absolutes because 
we we've not been there. We haven't we haven't yeah. done this stuff. We haven't been to this planet. Some people claim to have been to different planets. I don't know where to go with that. That'd be a whole different show. But um, <laughs> continue to do the work that you're doing. You know, by all means. And as I said, we know that just like the paranormal field, you've got different you know areas of people who debate everybody, and this guy's wrong and they're wrong and all that. And we're not here to cover that tonight. Um, I like, you know, the fact that MUFON still does, does some, some good work. And, um, I have a friend who was involved in the Indiana, uh, uh office uh, for quite a few years. I know that he's retired and stepped out now, but even he used to sit and share some very odd stories with me in, in Indiana. Uh, and I was, uh, going to go out and, and look at a few. And we have a couple here in Michigan, uh, Lester, I'm sure you're aware of outside Hillsdale, and when the state police had had chased one and some college students and a poor farmer saw one. And of course, you know, we had the famous, I'm not going to mention his name, but you know, it's swamp gas, yeah. uh, you know, one of those deals. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you do with, how do you do with the skeptics? If we can end the show going towards well, the end of the show with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I was in the beginning, I was I was very uh, much concerned with the skeptics uh, and I felt I needed to proselytize somewhat and right. try to convince them. But I learned very quickly. It's a waste of time yep. because most of these people are very close minded. And uh, no matter what you say, uh, it's not going to convince them. Uh, uh, you know, you can show them fact after fact after, uh, you know, evidence, if you will, and they still, you know, look at Sh- Sh- Sherwood, whatever his name is. <laughs> Sher- what is his name? Sherman? Sherman? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, Scientific uh, American magazine. Uh, yeah. and, and Nichols, another guy. And, and these, these people just so close-minded, they they will never change their tune. So it's a waste of time to tr- even deal with these people. Just yeah, move yeah, on. Yeah, Just gotta yeah, move yeah. on. I've encountered those folks. And, you know, I've often said, you know, let's God himself can come down and punch them in the face and they're going to find... <laughs> They're going to find all sorts of different alternative explanations, even yep. though he's standing there and God can be like, hey, I'm I'm here in the room. You know, I'm here. I'm the one that just slapped you in the face. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was too, Lester. I, I know in the ghost thing, I, I came out here and thought I, I want to chastise them and I want to prove them wrong. And, and I think it's good to be a healthy skeptic, though. We all should always have that healthy skepticism about us as, oh, sure. as an investigator. But, you know, these guys are pseudo skeptics, meaning that they've already got their mind made up no matter what. It doesn't matter yeah. what we do, but it's great to hear you because I stopped wasting time on that too. Um, <laughs> if they throw things at me, I'm like, listen, dude, I, I put my, I, I put my stuff out here for you to look at. I tell you where I cross the T's and dot the I's. If that's not good enough for you, and I use a little bit of science and spiritualism and metaphysics uh, as well, because, again, I think there's more to the world than just just science itself. I think I actually think they're interconnected. If I was going to get weird, you know, for a moment, um, I just leave them alone. I just leave them alone, man. I go forward with my mission and do what I do. Absolutely. That's the way to do it. That's well, the way to do it. Tell everybody where they can find all of your stuff so that they know where to find Lester Velez. All right. Yeah. Uh, first of all, our website is opusnetwork.org, opusnetwork.org. And you'll find there 
uh, recommended reading list, uh, our documents uh, section, which has a lot of good information uh, pertaining to uh, abductions and things of that nature, including the full omega-3 that we did, all the, all the conclusions. Uh, we have interviews. I actually, I do interviews, as a matter of fact. Uh, Linda Moulton Howe is one of our, uh, uh, on our advisory board, uh, along with Melinda Leslie, uh, Yvonne Smith, and Terry uh, Lovelace. And I've done interviews with all of those people, and I'll be continuing to do some more. Uh, and you'll find all of those interviews on our website. And on the homepage, you'll see the picture of our book, uh, The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. Uh, you just click on that and uh, you'll go right to Amazon and uh, you'll be able to get the book. And uh, if you're a uh, Kindle Prime uh, uh, member, it's actually free. Uh, it, it, it's just Kindle. Uh, not prime, it's $9.99, and then the paperback is $20. And all the proceeds of that go directly to Opus, not to me. <laughs> and uh, because we're a nonprofit, so uh, we're just trying to raise some money. And so hopefully uh, you'll, uh, you know, find it in your heart to uh, get that book one way or another and uh, take a look at it because it's a, it's a story about not only Opus, but these people and, and what they're dealing with from the physical aspects to the psychological aspects. And uh, so I think you'll find it very interesting. And from all over the globe, folks, it's not just a USA thing, you know, or oh, a Canada absolutely. thing. It's from absolutely. all over the world this stuff goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in 92, the Roper organization, uh, you know, uh, the, this uh, poll that they did that, that was, uh, brought about by Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs and funded by Bigelow, uh, Robert Bigelow, uh, basically claimed that there was 6 million people that claimed that they had been abducted back in those days. And, and this is a worldwide phenomenon. And, and can you imagine how many people? And so what's, the, what's, what's behind that? That's a whole other question. Yeah, it's a whole other question. But when we have you on for part two, which we will, we'll have you back next year because we're okay. so close to the new year yeah. um we'll definitely cover a lot of that and more and um i appreciate you giving me your time because i have so many more questions for you uh we try to keep this down to an hour but uh yeah it, it's still fascinating to me because i i have those same questions lester like so so what exactly is is really going on you know you mentioned we're the experiment i i've said that often too and i think that's what we were um I'm going to blow a lot of people's minds. I've always shared this openly, and you can give me a little feedback here before we sign off. Um, I've always thought that we're probably not from here. That's going to sound really crazy to a lot of folks. Um, and if if I'm wrong on that, at least we were genetically engineered by somebody to be what it is we are. Because how could we not be related to a certain species of man, which science has explained, we're not even related yet. We're sharing the same planet. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's a good place to end it for the next show. <laughs> Absolutely. Lester, you, you have yourself a very Merry Christmas and a safe new year. Same uh, to you. Same to you guys. Yeah, Appreciate you being on here. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you just opened, blew my mind even more. <laughs> Mr. Boster, are you at home now? Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's in a Maybe. secret location. Sure. 
<laughs> he knows things. He's got to hide. Okay. Yeah. I got to hide. <laughs> it's all good. All right, guys. Merry Thank Christmas. You. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hey, Happy Merry New Christmas. Year. Happy New Year to you. Yep. Sign it off there, Elmer. All right. Keep your eyes to the skies. And happy haunting, everybody. And do me a favor. We we also say this. If you cannot be kinder and smarter, please be quieter. It doesn't cost you <laughs> anything to be kind to one another. I love all you folks. God bless. Yes, and we will see you next year. Hopefully it's going to be a better one. This is Dan signing off from Unrestricted Paranormal.